You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. We're launching a brand new series today. And I don't know how long it's going to go because I put a time frame on it and God obliterates it every time. And so we're just going to, hopefully it'll be about four or five weeks. This series is called Focus Forward. This isn't just a New Year's resolution or even a New Year's series, technically. But I think if you have a moment to kind of look on the news, to look on social media, to look around us, things Things aren't good. Things are out of control. Things aren't looking up necessarily in our country and in our world. Some of you would say, you know what? Life sucks right now. Yeah. And so this series is all about what we focus in front of us. How many of you who have driver's license and even those who don't, who still choose to drive, How many of you, well, I say that because when I was 14, my dad went to a high school parking lot and let me drive. Shame on him. But how many of you know the more that you focus on the peripheral in front of you, the more you see? When you focus on just one car ahead of you and their bumper, you lose sight of everything around you. But how many of you know when you just simply all the time focus on everything that's happening in front of you, you you kind of feel blurry. Things that matter or things that are priority don't come into focus well. And I remember this when I was a kid, and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember whether it was the Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon. But we went there, and and you know those, those viewfinders? I remember, I think I was like seven years old. And I remember going to each viewfinder. And you know, for the the short kids, they have a little step there. And you step up and you look. And I'd look and it would be blurry. And there would be no focus at all. And I'd say, this machine's broken. Then I'd go to the next one. Broken. What are they doing with this? The next one, broken. And finally, my dad tapped me on my shoulder and he said, son, here's a quarter. Oh, he put that quarter in and turned it. Woo, man, could you see. And not only could you see, you could hone in into the beauty and the details and the specificity of God's creation. And if I'm being honest, I think us who call ourselves Christians and those who would just say, yeah, I'm a Christian. They're going through life without having the quarter, the deposit in their viewfinder. And they wonder why all they see is the world in front of them. All they see is what they can see in their own strength, their own physical eyes their own worldly perspective. 
And then when we wonder why we go to church and we never get anything from it. And we wonder why when we open the Bible, there is just no comprehension. And then we wonder why we may see it and we may go to church. And we may start to understand it, but we don't understand why we can't apply it. Have you checked the coin slot and put the only one in that coin slot that can turn your supernatural lens on? And I'm becoming more keenly aware, friends, that as a pastor, it's getting harder and more challenging to reach people. It's becoming more difficult and blurry to really pastor a church when people don't want to be pastored. To really teach the word when people don't want to be taught. To really lead you to the living water, Jesus Christ, and yet you don't want to drink. Now, that's not on me, but I take being a lead pastor and a pastor of not just this church, but of the family of Jesus Christ very seriously. And there are three main obligations that I commit to you as a pastor. Elliot commits to you as a pastor. Daniel, as a lay pastor, commits to you. Our elders commit to you. Tiffany and Jeff commit to you. Brent commits to you. These three things. Number one is that we would earnestly, every moment of our life, seek God's presence to the point that we would be a living dwelling place to where God's presence resided. Whether or not what I'm eating, drinking, what sport event, no matter what conversation I'm having, that God's presence would not only dwell in me, but it would reflect through me. You see, we are living temples of God's spirit. And to say that you're a follower of Jesus and not allow him to move in you is like trying to look through a viewfinder without a quarter. The second obligation that I have not only to you, but to God, because Hebrews 13 says that I, am, I will in front of the throne of God, the judgment seat of God, when I take my last breath, I will be held accountable for how I lead. You will be accountable how you live. And the second obligation is I am to help you, not do it for you, but I am to help you become useful and effective in the kingdom of God. Sadly, the majority of Christians say they're a follower of Christ, but they have nothing to prove for it. It's kind of like, excuse me, talking about your favorite restaurant or your favorite sports team. And mom and dad, by the way, your favorite sports team is the team that your child plays on. And you talk about it all the time. You talk about that restaurant, your favorite place to eat on the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three. Someone paid you. 
Oh, wait, it was the owner. <laughs> Can we do it again to where we hear everybody like they actually like to eat at this place? One, two, three, Cheesecake Factory. Okay, thank you. You talk about it, right? And when you talk about it and you glow about it and your mouth starts foaming about it, I assume that you've been there. I assume that you ate the food. And I assume that you go there often. What we say is important. And just like last Sunday, who we say is on the throne of our lives will show up in what we talk about and what we make important and what shows up in our schedules. On and on and on. If you say you really are following Jesus, then what that means is you're trying to live for the kingdom of God. And so our job is not to spoon feed you. Our job is to teach you by number one, living our lives as a model. Number two, connecting you to the word of God and trying to understand it. Number three, to encourage you and cheer you on to live it out. Number three, and this is the most important one. Let me go back just to refresh our mind. Sometimes I forget I've been, you know, um, breathing this, eating this, sleeping this, and sometimes it just goes so fast. Number one, first obligation that I have and our leaders have to you is to host God's presence well in our life. Number two is to help you become effective in serving and following Jesus. And number three, I'm sorry. God's just been tenderizing my heart about what really matters. You see, when you start to turn and tune in to God's heart and you get a glimpse of the heart of Jesus, you'll never be the same. The third thing is I am called and you are called to prepare people for eternity. Because whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or what not, and whether you know it or not, everybody dies. Have you been to a funeral lately? It's the inevitable. What you believe happens when you die is absolutely important. But what you choose now before that happens is what's most important. And friends, I'm guilty of this. I don't know how many times in my life I have missed opportunity after opportunity after opportunity just to tell people that Jesus loves them. And so this year, and as long as this church exists, and as long as there's pastors and leaders our responsibility to you is to host God's presence in our lives, to help you become effective for God's kingdom and to prepare you for that one, hopefully, celebrative day. But for many, it's going to be one of gnashing of teeth and absolute fear and regret. I pray that every single person here has 
the experience of the first. And so because of these responsibilities, I want to take time in the life of Elevation and in the, the new year of 2022, I want to turn to clear the vision in your life, in your priorities, in your investments, in your families, in your marriages. But I realized this week that I cannot start to allow you to turn to tune in if you don't have the quarter in the deposit slot. Sadly, so many people go to church, they listen to podcasts. They would tell you they believe in Jesus. But they're living like Jesus doesn't live in them. You know what I mean? They're living like something never turned on the viewfinder in their lives. And it's, it's amazing to me. Not amazing, it's, it's so discouraging to me that one has an aha moment and sees Jesus for who he is, and then they somehow think that the viewfinder just turns off. And now they're back to worldly living. You see it, we see it, sometimes it's in our own lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to just talk to you as plainly and genuinely as I can about what it means to follow Jesus. Because if you don't get this right, you're never going to be able to tune in properly to see through the lens of what Christ calls us a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So give me your ears for a little bit. There may be some blank strips of paper in the chair flap in front of you. There may even be a connect card. I would absolutely love for you to take notes, not for my good, but for you. I know wherever I go, I'm a note taker because it helps me retain. If you wanna take your phones out and you wanna snapshot the slides, go ahead, do whatever you need to do. But, but friends, at the end of the day, this is your choice. This is your choice. Jesus never forces himself on you. He's a gentleman. What kind of love is it for him just to say, you're going to love me whether you like it or not, whether you choose or not, and I'm making all the decisions for you. Some of you would be like, that would be great. <laughs> but salvation doesn't work that way. And following Jesus doesn't work that way. And so, God, I just ask right now that you would um, take this time, help me not to be distracted by the clock, but also help me be respectful to what your Holy Spirit is doing with our ability to have the attention to consume this. So this time is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I just want to take some points here to just help you understand. And again, this message is a full-on six-week series, if not more. And so forgive me for blitzing through and having so much information, but that's the beautiful nature of YouTube and social media is you can listen to it and watch it as 
many times as your heart content. The first is to believe. Jesus talks about in order to follow me, you must believe that I am the son of God, that Jesus is God incarnate, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, No one can come to God the Father except through him. Not good works, not good looks, not a good life, not a good job, not good wealth, not good success, not just paying for someone behind you in the drive-thru. It is only through a relationship of believing, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Why is this important? Because what you believe is what you will become. What you believe is what you will eventually behold in that viewfinder. And what you behold is what you become. That's why it's important. Jesus said this, and excuse me, Paul said this about Jesus in Romans chapter 9, verse 8 through 11. It says, the word is near you. Well, the Bible's near you. No, the living word. Who is that? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 1, we know that Jesus is the living word. Jesus is near you. In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith and that, uh, uh, that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth, your words have power, by the way. The words represent what you think about yourself and what you think about other things. And then from your mouth comes your belief system. From your belief system comes your behavior. Believing is all about identity. What you believe about who Christ is and who you are in Christ. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be shouted out, saved. And friends, that is a one-time justification of your sins washed away because of Jesus. But being saved doesn't mean you're following your savior. Being saved is you finally found your identity and you finally found the one who makes you right with God. For with the heart one believes and is justified, but with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. When you sincerely believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, it says you are transformed from death and sin to likeness, newness of Christ. It's nothing of your own doing. But is that enough? It is enough for Jesus to save you. It's not enough for you to make the choice to actually follow the one who saved you. I know I'm messing with some of you. Hang on, and hopefully you'll be able to see where I'm going. Why is it important that we believe in Jesus? Why is it important that we believe that God raised him from the dead? Because when we believe that God raised him from the dead, we are saying that Jesus is the true Messiah, the son of God, the one who promised to fulfill everything. And he did. 
up to resurrection. We are still living with a few promises not yet fulfilled. That's number one, that Jesus would come back to make the wrong right, to make the dark light. Anyone remember that? For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, we did an Advent series where it's Advent Blocks. And the whole theme was Jesus was coming to make the wrong things right and the dark things light. And so when we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we're saying that Jesus is who he said he is. And if he is who he said he is, he will come again to make the wrong things right. And then he's also going to take our physical, sinful, broken world around us and ourselves included and make it absolutely new. So many Christians think that they're just gonna live in heaven forever. You're not. This is your home. This is where you were intended to live. But because of sin, God needs to take you with him so that when he comes back, he prepares and makes the earth new and the heavens new. You're not just gonna sit on a cloud with a harp. In heaven, looking at the golden gates and the pearly streets, you're gonna be here. A new earth, no sin, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. God's gonna do it. But when we believe, we believe that what God said about Jesus is true and will come true. Number two, so when you believe, you hear me talk about this all the time, you need to receive it. Jesus paid for it. You need to take that and actually put it in the coin slot, your heart, the throne of your heart, so that the viewfinder turns on. The old is gone. The new lens has come. You need to receive it. You can believe all you want about something. You can believe that I have $100,000 in my car waiting to give you all you want. But until you meet me at my car in the back, and please do not mob me in the back after the service, but until you meet me in the back and I give that to you, you still have to receive it. You have to take it. You have to put it in the bank. You have to do something with it. We believe in Jesus, and then we go right on back to our sinful lives. Like nothing ever happened. That, in my opinion, is not generally or genuinely being changed by Jesus. When you sincerely are saved and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you receive his work that he did on the cross for yourself, you come alive. You change. You change. You're not perfect. You're not holier than thou, but you change. What you do with that change matters. That's why so many of you can remember a moment where you believed and you received God, but your living right now sure doesn't reflect the viewfinder with the coin in the slot. Things are blurry. Things don't make sense. And people who look at your life, they're like, do they really go to church? You may be looking around right now and you see people that you were totally shocked to see in church. Now, I'm not condemning at all. I'm just speaking reality. 
Do you know a lot of people don't go to church because they don't want to see hypocrites? If you believe what you believe and you received it, why don't you change? And then we get home and look in the mirror. So we have to receive it. Let me tell you this. Receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, you can put that on the screen. I think I have it, Ernie. Is an act of the will, your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, and begins the lifelong journey of following Jesus. Receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord is an act of the will. What he, did to you, uh, what he did for you on the cross is done. Salvation is spelled D-O-N-E, not D-O, do. It's done. But to receive it in your life and allow it to take root in your life is an act of your will. And it's part of the journey of following Jesus. Can you say following all of you, following, following Jesus. What God is looking for, what Jesus is looking for, is not just people who are gonna believe on him and not even people who are gonna receive his free gift, but those who are gonna live their lives for him. All or nothing. That's what he's looking for. Now, if you're not there, he still died on the cross for you. That was paid in full. One act before all times paid for your salvation. All you have to do is believe it and receive it. But if that's all you're living for, you have missed out on the abundant life that Jesus has provided for us. Not only that, you are damaging and discounting the life change that you can bring to so many. So let me ask you this. How can you tell if someone has spent their entire life to live healthy? Well, usually there's a couple of you that I see. Usually their muscles show, not mine, but you usually pop out of the clothes. You can see, you can also watch them, their strength. When you go out to eat with them, you see what they're eating is different than what you're eating. I joke with my brother, Ernie, <laughs> but he has lost how many pounds? 55 pounds just by changing what he eats, how he's active. And I just always joke with him. I'm eating a great meal and he's just got a cup full of grass. That's why I'm not skinny mini like him. How do you know? How can you tell when someone's values and love and sacrifice are for their home and being hospitable for others? Well, their house isn't falling apart. They sacrifice hours upon hours and dollars upon dollars to make their house appealing and clean so others can enjoy it as well. My car shows you that I do not value my car enough. I've got two kids for that. But it's true, isn't it? So how can you tell that someone genuinely and truly is a follower of Jesus? Oh, come on. 
how can you tell someone truly is a follower of Jesus? Well, 1 John says it this way, that a true follower of Jesus will exhibit or model a lifestyle that includes these three main things, loving him and loving others. You can see that in 1 John 4, 16. Obeying God. Oh, I'll get baptized. I'll believe. I'll take communion. You want me to obey God, what he says in his word? I'm sorry. And if that's you, no condemnation. We're good. But are you good (laughs) with him? Because when we get a glimpse of Jesus, our Savior, and we give him our lives, man, there's nothing greater. So loving others, obeying God, and not habitually making a habit of sinning. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're saved by grace. You're changed. You're new. Why are you continuing sinning? Yeah, I understand. We live in broken, sinful bodies, and we're tempted, and we give in to temptation. Paul knows that very well in the apostle uh, or in the epistles, the New Testament. But that's not an excuse. Can a believer who have received Jesus and is following Jesus live a life without sin? Absolutely. Keep following him. Keep allowing him to search your heart and change you. It's gonna be a work in progress. We are not going to be fully like Jesus until we literally leave this earthly body and discover our spiritual supernatural body to literally look just like Christ. So we've got the model. How are you doing living it? And so with this, I just wanna focus on a few things of following Jesus and I know our time is ending. There's a couple things. The first one in following Jesus. So you can believe and you receive, but until you get to the following, following is so important. And you know, in my life too, on the pulpit, I have, I have defaulted to just focus on the believing in Christ and receiving his life-giving work in the cross. And we stop there. It doesn't stop there, friends. It's about following Jesus Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must die to yourself. Pick up the cross and follow me. It's about following God. And so I want to give you several truths and genuine priorities of a follower of Jesus. And I would love for you to write these down. Number one is baptism. We experienced that last week and My, oh my, how beautiful and wonderful it was. Here's the the struggle of baptism, friends. We have some people who are more charismatic. What I mean is not just expressive, but more charismatic in the belief of the things of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural life. And we need the supernatural life to do supernatural things. And Most charismatic believer will tell you that absolutely there is power in the baptism water. And they're not saying the tap water that's in there, but they're saying it's not just just a reflection, but it is 
a powerful experience in being all in for God. But then on the opposite side, you also have black and white, nothing wrong with this, okay? Traditional, it is just a reflection of what you chose to follow. Neither are wrong. Uh-oh. Neither are wrong. Absolutely, it's an outward expression of an inward change, but it's so much more than that. And it's not just because you're getting baptized that all of a sudden you go under and up and all of a sudden you totally see everything different. Now, for some people, that has happened. But let me find the middle of the road here. And I believe this is Holy Spirit driven because I have been pursuing this for the last two years. Let me say it like this with the baptism waters. There is nothing about the water. There is nothing powerful about the water. It's just tap water. It was just Jordan water. I got baptized in the Jordan with my wife when we went to Israel. There was nothing about the water specifically that changed us. But friends, there is something in the water. There's nothing about the water but there's something in the water. Do you know what it is? You. You. You are choosing to surrender. Baptism is about your identity in Christ, but you are choosing to surrender to live your life for him all the days of your life. When you get in the waters, the baptism waters, you're raising the white flag and say, I give up. And amazing things happen when you enter surrender. That's baptism. And I'd love to talk to you more about that. And if you don't agree, I'd love to talk to you about that because I think we agree more than you think. Surrender. Baptism, but also surrender. You see, a lot of people think that if they get baptized, that it just literally changes the rest of their life and they don't have to do anything about it. No, that's the first step of obedience, friends. Surrender is an absolute moment-by-moment life choice. Look at the lyrics from this song that I absolutely love. Beautiful surrender is where I want to be. We can say that until our lips are blue, but until we lock ourselves into Christ, that's where surrender is. For all eternity, come and take my hand. You can lead me where you please. When have you done that? Follower of Jesus, as they grow, he or she understands when they wake up before they even put their feet on the ground, they need surrender. And they need Jesus to take our hands and lead us where he pleases. That's following. You don't follow the leader and then break the chain and go off and follow something else. You follow the one who's leading your life. Beautiful surrender is chasing after me. Forgive me, I'm just trying to figure out where to go from here. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna give you these points and I'm gonna do a video and I'll post it on Facebook so you can get more of the heart of this message, okay? After baptism and after 
choosing to surrender every day of your lives, you're also, in following him, you're loving him. Can I just ask for a show of hands? Who's married? Okay. You probably, more than likely, didn't get forced to marry the person next to you. It was probably a choice. Something about them, something about them made you say, I want to be with that person the rest of my life. And I'm excited to even tell you I wasn't planning on this, but my wife and I are celebrating 18 years tomorrow. It's a, it, you don't have to, <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but through those 18 years, there was a choice to want to be with her. And if I, I don't make that choice to spend time with her, I'm going to get lazy and look to other things to fill the void that only my wife is supposed to fill. If you're not spending intimate time with your spouse and sharing life together, sadly, you're going to follow the world and one day be so disconnected that you have no energy, strength, or desire to make it work. Sadly, that's how so many people enter the Christian life and finish the Christian life. They love Jesus, but yet they don't spend time with him. If you love Jesus, you will, the second point, or not the second point, but the next one, you will seek him. You will seek him. You will seek him for when times are good and when times are bad, when you are having success and when you are having failure. You will seek to know him by his word and by seeking the Holy Spirit to show you. You will seek other believers to come into your life and not lead you further from Jesus, but draw you closer to Jesus. Because if you love him, you will obey him and seek him. If you love him, you want to spend time with him. And that's where I believe the first two of believing and receiving is great. And that's the salvation work of Jesus Christ. And it's not dependent on anything you have done. But when you say you're going to follow Jesus, that's when your words are put to test by how you live. The next one is obedience. Here's a wrecking ball. First, John chapter two. By this, we know that we have come to know him. You wanna know if you're a follower of Christ? Do you wanna know if Jesus has truly changed you, set you free? Look at this. By this, we know that we have come to know Christ if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. I'm not talking about a one thing deal. We're talking about a consistent life of following Jesus. But whoever keeps his word, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way Jesus walked. 
And so the last point I want to leave you with is in order to follow Jesus, yes, you're identifying yourself with Christ. Yes, you're declaring to everyone that Jesus is your Lord. Yes, you're loving him. Yes, you're seeking him. Yes, you're obeying him. But until you understand that you cannot, that you can't do a lick of following Jesus without the coin in your viewfinder, which is the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to follow Jesus on your own. Jesus was so clear. He says, I must go prepare a place for you. He's not talking about going up and building you a cabin and tucking your pillows in and all this stuff. He's talking about he was going to the cross. And now he was going to the Father to wait till he was to come back. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit must come. And I don't know what your views are on the Holy Spirit, but you cannot do this life of following Jesus without him. It is absolutely impossible to follow Jesus in your own strength. You neither have the power nor the resources to follow Jesus. Why do you think so many people fall away so fast? They get so distracted and drifted is because they have not allowed the deposit of the Holy Spirit to turn on the viewfinder. And the Holy Spirit just doesn't get up and leave. But often, you yourself, by the way you live, you let the Holy Spirit just sit on the shelf. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in this body, I live by faith, believing, receiving, and following Jesus who loved me and gave himself up for me. Band, would you come up? Please do not disengage. Just like the viewfinder, I want you to just turn and tune in. Because if we don't take inventory and we don't make a decision before we leave, it's gonna be like Sunday after Sunday. I hear the pastor. God moves in my heart, and by next Sunday I come here, I'm still in the same place. I'm trying to follow God, but no fruit to show for it. I can lead you, and I can show you Jesus and what the word says. But are you a follower of Jesus or not? Are you a follower of Jesus or not? And if you're not, and again, rhetorically, I'm not, I'm not asking for a response necessarily, but depending on that answer, you have some decisions to make. Some of you have never, ever made the decision to believe Jesus, that what he did on the cross was more than enough for you. And it has nothing to do about what you do or who you are. It's about his love for you. No, you have to do. There's no sinner prayer in the Bible. Sinner's prayer is based on biblical principles. But all you have to do is call upon the Lord Jesus with your mouth. Believe in your heart that he is the son of God and the savior and you will be saved. Receive it. 
If that's you, do that. I would love to pray with you before you leave today. For some of you, you've believed and received it at one point. Maybe it was genuine and maybe it wasn't. But where you find yourself today, you sure aren't looking like a follower of Jesus. And just like that prodigal son or daughter, the father is waiting for you to take one step towards him. And he is going to run after and chase you down as long as you let him. But you have to follow him. You have to die to yourself, pick up your cross. When you sin, brush it off, receive the forgiveness, and keep the focus on Jesus. For some of you, you believe and you receive Jesus. You come every Sunday but yet your life is really not reflecting that of a follower. Maybe you have never given permission to the Holy Spirit to take over. That's what you need to do today. You can do it right in your seat. You can do it at your home. You can do it in your car. But for today, since you are here in this worship song, you can respond by physically getting out of your seat and coming to the altar. No one's gonna bother you. and choose to follow Jesus. And all of us have an opportunity to respond today. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.